Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 201. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the internationally acclaimed and celebrated comic creator of Bob Non-Union Psychic, Lance Lucero. Howdy, howdy. It's good to be here. Lance, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So you are a filmmaker and a comic creator, which is really cool because behind you, you have your logo for Warehouse 9 Productions and also W9 W9 Press. No, what is it? No, it's, it's, it's the same thing. It's, it's Warehouse 9 Comics. Which is really exciting is that you're on your part of now the Anyone World uh, imprint that's connected to ASAP Imagination and specifically utilizing your, as we talked about, Bob Non-Union Psychic. I got tons of questions for you, Lance, but I guess first for those that might not be familiar with your work, if you just want to give people a little bit of a background on how you got into how do you got into comics, but and how you got into filmmaking as well? Well, I think it's all it all started with the actual filmmaking. Right. Um, that's that's primarily what I wanted to get into my whole life. So it's it's been a long journey, but I had started this journey thirty years ago, and it was just uh, the idea of well, the metaphor of Bob non union psychic is you know it's about breaking down the gatekeepers. It's do I do I need to keep chasing those that are supposed to accept and get me somewhere, or do I just do it? And I figured I'd just do it. Um, opportunities were there for film schools and what have you, but. It didn't seem practical. Um, moving to LA and seeing the scene uh, seemed practical. And then at, and that, at that time in the early 90s, and I'm dating myself, that's when you can actually talk to producers and agents like on a telephone. You know, They weren't inundated with emails and social media. Uh, I got a lot of good advice, which was basically don't make your movie in Los Angeles, make it anywhere else. And I thought, well, I, got, I thought this is where I was supposed to be. And they're like, nope, make your movie anywhere but here. All right. So that was the plan. And the idea was, is, uh, well, what am I going to make? I practiced a lot with video. And then I upped the game uh, to film because that's what you're supposed to do. Um, film is film. HD is HD. They're not the same. And I will stay tried and true to that because, you know, that's my canvas. That's where I want to tell my stories. And if it's tried and true for the last 130 years, I'm not going to change it. I'm just going to do what's what they have done. If you want to be like the masters of old, then do like the masters of old. So that was my motto. And I decided, okay, uh, I got to learn how to write. I got to learn how to build that roadmap to the screen, um, which is what I did. Mostly on my own dime, uh, reading books, uh, finding um, black market screenplays in comic book shops. Um, you know, there was no internet then. So it allowed me uh, to hone my skills before I actually rolled one frame of film because, you know, it's, it's a different format and you got to be prepared. You know, that's money going through the camera. You just don't hit record and wait for magic to happen. So that was the skill set, screenplay writing, storytelling. And I studied it thoroughly so that I can bring that to a motion picture, you know, which I did in the form of short films, first starting with short videos and then graduating myself to a full-length feature film. Um, and then, 
you know, t- uh, tackling short form nowadays, because I think that's the attention span of most audiences and which ultimately leaned into comic book creation. So, you know, Bob non-union psychic, it started off as a screenplay, you know, 22 years ago, I wrote that. So it landed on some tables in Hollywood, but ultimately I'm a nobody from nowhere without representation. So I, I couldn't get in and those that were actually interested realized that this would probably be too expensive to do, uh, too risky to invest in. So I was killed with kindness. You're doing a great job, kid, but we can't help you. You know, and that that's just as bad maybe as saying you suck and you have no business being here. So, you know, I took it in stride and said, all right, well, I'm hitting I'm hitting the right chord here on this on this story. And I got to figure out what I need to do with it. So years passed, six, uh, 15 years passed uh, before I, I, I contacted the co-writer and editor of Bob Non-Union Psychic, who is, is, is uh, Adam Voley. He's the comic book guy. He was the guy that knew everything in and out about comics. And he had already been published in anthologies. He knew what he was doing. So, you know, as, as the uh, student, I contacted him and said, you know, maybe we should try to turn this, this into a, a comic book, maybe a one shot. Uh, he bit on the idea and it was just the, it was just the challenge of, well, how do we condense a, a full length feature film into an episode zero, an introduction of this character. So that's what we did. And it just, it, everything came together perfectly for the book zero. And then it evolved from there, building a world, doing a book, a one and a two to create a trilogy, which ultimately now is the graphic novel with supplemental materials that's available in hardcover and paperback and digital. I mean, it's, it's, it's a long road. And, and sometimes the indie, indie producers don't realize this. This, this is not instant gratification. This is not a sprint. It's a marathon. So your endurance will prove if you can actually make it to the end. So, I mean, that's what it was all about. And that's coinciding with the metaphor of Bob, you know, non-union. It's a metaphor. It could have been non-guild. It could have been non-club, non-click. You know what I'm saying? So that's the theme behind it and making it fun entertainment. That's eye candy and great stories. Uh, So, but it's been a long road. It's been a long road. You know, this is... This was 15 years in the making and then an extra seven years to get it to where it's at now through ASAP Imagination, the NE1 World Division. Um, it's been a heck of a ride and we're, st- we're still riding it. Uh, we're enjoying it. This is, this, is, uh, this, is, this is our opus for now until we get to the next project. So did I read someplace that there's six issues though for this or will be six issues? We have the three issues done in, in this graphic novel, and right. we have three other written plus one spinoff. So okay. we've had these ready to go for probably about three or four years. Um, but it's one of those things. Let's, let's, we got to get it out there to the world. You know, We have to do what everybody does in social media and stand on a table and scream, look at me, and this is what we have. Uh, at the same time saying that, you know, just because it's indie doesn't mean it's low budget. Just because it's alternative doesn't mean that the quality is, is less than the big, the big publishers. Uh, the idea was is to create a, a, a high quality book 
with an original storyline that can compete. I know that I, I know that's scary because people like their tropes and they like to remanufacture. But with Bob, we weren't having anything to do with that. It's got to stand on its own two feet, and that's what we were after as as indie creators. So you mentioned before that this started off as a screenplay, correct? Correct. So when you decided, what was this? Was it a light bulb moment, or was there, or was there a gradual realization to? translate this into a, a into a comic book script it was gradual because going way back when uh you know after coming off shooting a feature i thought well i i can do it again but i don't want to do it in an independent nature i would like to have some kind of backing for this right uh but the reality is is if you're not juiced into the system if you don't know the right people it's just not going to happen let's face reality it's not going to happen and with all the interest and then the letdowns, I was kind of like, you know, taking, taking the Bob perspective of, I'm going to have to do this myself some way or another. I have to do it myself. And the comic book graphic novel idea didn't strike me until I reconnected with Adam Voley. I mean, we had written a screenplay together in like 2004, 2005. And we actually got it on the table to some pretty interesting places. But once again, it was a scary project and nobody wanted to touch it. So the idea is, do you sell out and do something so commercial and tropist just to get somewhere? Or do you just stay true to your art? I decided to say stay true. I, I, I don't want to do anything trite just to get anywhere. I would rather spend my efforts trying to produce what, what I have the best that I can and get it out into the world. And when when the the realization came to me that, you know what, I guess it's it's why not do a comic book? I, I've been into comic books my whole life. Why not tackle that? Why not try this 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 medium and see what happens? And we hashed out the script. We were pleased with it. And I had the budget in place. I mean, this is Warehouse Nine doesn't kickstart, doesn't crowdfund. Warehouse Nine is all creator owned and it's all financed. You know, we do it ourselves. Um, we figure out a, a way how to do it. And the funds were there for the first Bob book easily. And it was like, well, since we have it, let's play. Let's do this. And the results were very pleasing. And, and the responses were positive uh, during its original digital release, which made us think, well, in order to get mileage out of this, we need to continue the story. So let's just do that. And, you know, that's where we are today with a bigger novel that has a heck of a lot more material for people to, I think, sink their teeth into supplemental materials, extra art, deleted scenes, you know, uh, everything there, not just to entertain, but kind of educate to say, look, this is the process we went through to get this book where it is now. So um, it was a, it was a slow burn. But then when the light bulb went off, it was it was gung ho. It was full speed ahead. So we, we have a lot of like people that listen that are writers and artists and whatnot. And so my question for you is uh, we have somebody, if we have somebody listening that has a screenplay, who's been trying to get it done, would your advice be, Hey, just train, just change it into a comic book script and try to get it done that way. I think it's, I think it's a great choice because when you look at the, the aspect of the visual uh, and the written word, they're pretty dang close. Now, a lot of true comic book people might get mad at that. They might, you know, they're jaded by the whole turning comic books into movies and all that stuff. But if you have a script 
and you you think you can do something visually with it, why not anything graphics? It's going to be cool. You're going to go. You're going to have to produce it. You're going to have to have your illustrator, which is your director. You're going to have to have your letterer. You're going to have to have colorists, or if they're all in the same cover artists, you're going to have to. It's good to, to have an editor if you have a co-writing partner. I mean, you're still building a production team, so the aspects of it are are pretty much the same, and I think it's it's a good route to go. I'm not saying it's any safer. I'm not saying it's it's any less or more challenging than making a film because you're going to have your challenges. But if you want something produced, that's the way you should do it because it's a visual thing. It's visual. Right. So why not? I, I don't. I think it's something to consider because ultimately, if you do it and you can still make the movie, there it is. It's already ready right. to go. So that that's a good point. No, because would you say there's you you mentioned that and this is really I love the the analogy that there's a lot of parallels to producing a film and producing a comic. So for instance, would so you would be as somebody who's created you, you're you're the creator and and you cre- created and wrote, you know, initially the Bob non union psychic. Would that be the equivalent of like the producer then for that in that case? As, as Warehouse 9, you know, I am Warehouse 9. I'm the entity. So I'm the production studio and the producer. And, of course, the writer, which I also have a co-writer. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a partnership. That's, that's also uh, having my editor who was able to say, you know, this is the way a comic book is made and this is how it should be budgeted out. You know, this, these are the steps we need to take, hiring artists and and making sure that we have the layout and the pencils and the colors. And then, and I'm like, okay, I get this. I got the process. It was like, Oh, I, I, the process was, was just an easy transition. Cause even still, okay, I need contracts. I know what I need to do, how I can contract the artists, how I can hold them accountable for what they need to do, so forth, so on. So I think the movie making experience made the comic book producing much more easier. And I was able, we were able to knock this out with a minimum of fuss. I mean, okay. the team was, was amazing. And when you see the art roll in, it was like your birthday. It was like Christmas every day you got it. It was like, whoa, this is really, really cool. You know, we, we, need, to, we need to just stay excited and keep it going. Right. Now, it's, so, you, so you basically, it's in a way, it's like, it's, writing a comic script and writing a film script is not necessarily apples and oranges. It's more like apples and pears. They're like, they're kind of different, but not completely different then. Absolutely. I mean, there are many different variations and there's no true form to uh, the script writing of a comic book, but Mm -hmm. I had adopted the screenplay writing aspect to it and we modified it so that it's understandable uh, to the illustrator and the letterer. Um, and but it's not a gigantic deviation from a from an actual screenplay, um, and I have that specified at Comics Crusaders. Um, I do the articles that are called the Comics How To, and I, I spell it out. I'm an open book. This is exactly how we do it. This is exactly my format, and take it or leave it. It may help you in production. So you know, and and this in a script you have. If it's properly formatted the way it's supposed to be, you can calculate a minute a page and you can start working your budget and what you need for those those production pages. 
Um, then you have a shooting script, which is basically like a, a comic book script. You have scene numbers, you have shot numbers, but now you just break it into pages and panels and it's easily understandable. So the questions we got from the artists are, are minimal. You know, it was like, okay, this is, this is how we do it. So the, the format itself isn't, isn't exactly radically different. Um, and I just use Microsoft Word. I don't have PageMaker. I don't have uh, Movie Magic. I don't need any of that. So long as it's properly formatted, you're gold. And I have never been questioned on a screenplay from a, from a producer on what program I used. It was spec. So they were like, okay, everything's good. <laughs> so talk to us a bit about your relationship W not warehouse nine has with ASAP imagination in any one world. Well, I got to know, uh, Paul Hayden who, who runs, uh, ASAP imagination through comics crusaders. He's a crusaders as well. And, um, I was just listening to what he was doing. He seemed to be extremely successful at his crowdfunding campaigns, um, getting the production done, following through with what he say he's going to do, um, uh, business savvy. So, you know, we, we, we were involved with a mastermind for like six months and I just kept quietly listening to him. And then I said, Hey man, do you, do you have a, a chance to talk after this last mastermind meeting? He said, yeah. So privately, I finally said, I, you know, I got this, I got these books. Uh, I, I want you, I want you to publish them. I want you to take the reins on this. I want you to try to get it out on print. I want you to, to, you know, I want you to handle all of that. I mean, I will do everything you need to do to be involved in it, but I need a publisher. Um, with all the, the, the film stuff I have going on, it's, it's a little cumbersome. So, I think I, I said, I, I believe you're the right guy to do this. And he's, he was independent. He's up and coming. His catalog is increasing. Um, I, I think he's doing it right. So I threw it at him. Boom. You know what? This is what I, I want uh, as a, an independent owned uh, comic book. I want you to handle it in the any one world. Cause I think, I think perspectives had just come out. That was his first, his first any one world project. And I was like, well, I want to be your first book. So here it is. And then that's just how it took off. Oh, wow. And so how does that work from, say, from that perspective of like the, the contracting piece of that? Well, I mean, it's it's uh, creator owned. So it's a right. Warehouse 9 production. Okay. Um, yet my publisher is is ASAP Any One World. Okay. So that's, that's, that's how it's decisively divided. So okay. it's, it's up to him to, to stand on the table and yell, look at this book. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's just, just, just the way it is. That's what the producer does or, uh, or, or the publisher does. They, they, they say, okay, we got these products. This is what we need to do. And it also kind of acts somewhat as an agent, you know, getting booked on the podcasts, getting booked for the interviews, um, eventually signings and all that stuff. So, this is, this is how it came together. And he's the guy I picked, you know, I mean, I could submit to many other places. I could do that, but then I'm also thinking, what's the point? You know, uh, I'd rather go with something new, uh, something really hungry. You know, I, I think there's a better chance to get somewhere significant than just trying to say, 
oh, look, Marvel, DC, look at me. Now, you know what? They've had their day in the sun. Let's let the indies rise. Yeah. So I, I want to talk about your your illustrator that you have, Francisco Resendez. Yes, Francisco Resendez. So how did you find Francisco? It's uh, we placed an ad in digital webbing. So we placed an ad, you know, we, we said, this is how much we're going to pay, you know, back in 2014, 2016, you know, for pencils and inks, this is how much we're going to pay for four inks. And this is how much we have for lettering. We'll negotiate cover prices. Um, it's a fun, paranormal, off the wall, comedy, ghost story. If anybody's interested, contact us. And we were inundated. We were slammed by people that, that wanted to get involved. Um, from all over the planet, which was wow. interesting. I mean, uh, from Korea to Spain to India, Argentina, Brazil, Mexico. I mean, the list goes on and we were getting some radical art. Um, but the top three, you know, Mexico, Brazil, Argentina, uh, Francisco, his material was just knocking it out of the ballpark. He understood, wow. you know, uh, progressive art. He was an animator, so he knew cinema composition, which struck me. I'm like, I think we might be able to get along. So, you know, we went with him. We said, okay, you, you, you are our guy. Uh, so it, it was off to the races. It was, okay, let's get the character designs down. You know, what is Bob going to look like? Let's get, let's get this organized. And as that started to progress, so did the art itself. And... And I remember it was it was it was Adam who, who told him about how we wanted the book to look. And I only added one description to it. He said we need it to be atmospheric, a little creepy. And I said, I want saturation. Huh. He, he understood it because if you look at these frames, there's texture in every frame. There's nothing flat. There's texture in the walls. There's texture in his clothing. It's not I don't want to use the analogy. It's like it's like film grain but it has texture. Right. I said, I wanted that. And as you look at some of the wider frames, you know, that's like an anamorphic uh, 229 film aspect ratio. So he understood what an aspect ratio was and how it should be framed. Wow. So I saw that in his, his sample work. And this is how we decided to do book zero, which eventually evolves. So we have three, we have the same artist doing three different looks for each book. So we get this nice independent look here, which has got, you know, these, these funny imperfections in there, as you can see on the bottom panel. Um, uh, you know, we, we, it, this is purposeful. How do we make this kind of look, kind of look glossily, but still a little, a little, a little rough. Hmm. And then the next book, when we go back to like uh, 18th century France, he said, well, can I do more of a Rembrandt look with, with earth tone colors? Well, yes, let's do that. And then the third book, he said, give me a movie. What is this movie supposed to look like for Bob too? I said, Batman Returns. And he said, okay, I got it. You know, it's gotta be cold. It's gotta be, it's gotta be very cold and it's gotta be, it looks like you're chilled all the time. So. Just explaining those things to him, he gets it and he runs with the art and the colors. Now, at first, at first we didn't have a colorist, hmm. but he put in his bid. Well, can I color a couple pages to prove that I can color? And we were like, yeah, sure. So he did it. And we're like, okay, now you're the colorist. 
And <laughs> then he was like, well, I have an idea for a cover. Can I, can I show you like, see, okay, okay. Now you're the covers, you know, you're, you're <laughs> he, he was the entire package. Um, I believe we put him through his paces, but I think it all worked out gloriously. He, he knocked it out of the ballpark. And once again, that's just us as business people putting out a legitimate ad saying there's money involved that you will be contracted all of that stuff. I, I believe in being as professional upfront as possible. So you don't look like a hack and right. people will want to rely on you. So, uh, he's, he's an amazing find. And of course we're holding on to him. So <laughs> that's, that's how we found him. But having said that, uh, the other, the other illustrators that, that, su that submitted, you know, they're, they're, I've dealt with them in any other, in many other ways. Like for instance, I'll say, can you do a movie poster for me? For, for another illustrator. And he'll be like, yeah, sure. So always put yourself out there as an illustrator and don't think that you haven't been noticed because as a producer, if I see other illustrators that might fit another project, I go into my archives and I grab them. Hmm. So I guess my, my, my curiosity, the, your intent on having the style of your comic, did you even have this visualization when you wrote it as a screenplay that it was going to be almost fairly light in that sense where it wasn't dark and broody? Like for instance, like when you're looking at the art style, it is, has a, an accessibility to it as compared to something that might've been more sharp edged and, and Gothic, I guess. I think, I think we, we didn't decide to go photo real. Hmm because of the, the comedy aspect of the story. Hmm. And commercially, we said, let's go a little cartoony, but when it gets really violent, it gets really violent. And we kind of wanted that just to hit people over the head. You know, it was like, whoa, and I've, I've heard that. Wow, you know, this is great and all. But then, whoa, there's a couple of spots that made me go, oh man, I'm like, well, good. That's kind of what we were after. Um, so, you know, that was kind of the, the, the discussion we had behind the scenes because, you know, we were looking at the artist going, wow, this guy's really awesome, but he is photo real. It would, it, I don't think the comedy would play off. So we did go that lighter look uh, of, of a cartoony look somewhat uh, for commercial uh, purposes, but I think it played out well. Mm. And so what would you say the age range is on, on Bob? I definitely say by today's standards, it's, it's all ages, you know, okay. it's all ages because, you know, uh, the violence is poignant. Uh, it's not overkill. It happens when it needs to happen. Right. And so learning more, uh, learning more about lettering, it's, I'm really curious about how you're able to decide on a letterer. I mean, there, once again, we put the, the ad out and we, we got, Tons of people with with references. You can go see the examples of the work. So uh, John Chili Palmer was our first letterer on this book, and once again we just scoured who solicited. I saw what he was doing. He seemed to know what he was doing. Um, he took direction well, so he was our guy. <clears throat> Unfortunately, he passed away, and. Uh, so, you know, it was like, okay, I, I looked around again, and that's where I found uh, Kurt Hathaway for the next two books. Um, once again, he's an old pro. He knew what he was doing. He didn't need a lot of hand-holding, and he was able to knock it, down, knock it out in a, in, a, in a pretty good time frame. So um, 
and once again, I had an, another artist that that was in the roster for Bob. Not only did at one point I have him do a poster, but I, I passed him on to other colleagues and said, this guy can do everything as well. He may fit your and he ended up doing a lot of lettering for other people. So in the future, you know, he may be a future editor or, or letterer for me. So it always depends on who's available, you know, uh, how their work is and building that relationship. So that was a digital webbing advertisement as well. And we once again, we were just hit with hundreds of people and we just had to go through to see who's who and what's what. So I'm, I'm really curious as well is that you have, has Francisco given you any, has it been be able to give any direction towards the story? Um, because he's the artist, has he come back to you to say, hey, I was thinking about this might be better, this frame or moving page four should be page nine instead or any of that stuff? Absolutely. I mean, not uh, being a freshman when it came to uh, the actual comic book production and after we, we secured him and we got the characters done, it was time to do a layout. Now, you know, that layout came to me and it was a bunch of scribbles I didn't understand. So I was a little worried. I'm like, what the heck is this? This is a book. And it was Adam who was like, no, 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 no. Just look, look at the, the panels. See if it's generally what, we, what we've envisioned and on our panels for the script. So I was like, okay, he's, he's pretty much nailing it. And he's, he's, he's subtle in, in how he directs. And I had to take, you know, I had to, that was a realization for me as a director I'm handing this over now to the illustrator who is the director now. He's the director. So it's it's up to me to shut up and encourage rather than say it needs to be exactly like this or that. Let him do his thing. Hmm. So if he did do something and I'm like, well, well, why did he do that? Um, me and Adam would discuss that. Why do you think he did that? And Adam's answer usually is, well, I, he probably thinks that's better. So... <laughs> rather than confront him or say anything, it was like, well, I guess it is better. So, so let's, let's go with it. And he was able to visualize it very well. Um, some things maybe, uh, because there was a little bit of a language barrier once in a while, he was like, well, I don't understand what you're saying in this panel. So we'd have to rewrite it and say, this is what we were after. And he's like, Oh, okay. I get it. So you may have, a rehash of a panel or two, but as far as actual renegotiation of pages, not really. I mean, one time though, he did take it upon himself to do a double page splash. And of course it's absolutely brilliant. Um, but I was also concerned that when it went to print, how would it, how would it look? Uh, digitally, of course it's, ma it's magnificent on, on print. It still looks magnificent. Uh, but I, I also think that lessons learned, let's not split the art up. Just do a single page, page splash. You know what I mean? It was an ambitious idea, and I went with it. Uh, and we, we kind of went back and forth. I'm like, you sure you can't do this in one page, you know, vertically? He's like, nope, it'll look better in a double page. Okay, I guess we're adding a page. <laughs> so we had, you know, that's in the budget. When you think long term, that page is going to cost. But because I trusted the artist and it looked magnificent, he, he dictated that he wanted that page, which means we need to add another page so that it, the, the reveals and stuff work out after the fact. So we actually had to add another page to accommodate his idea. And I did it without question because it helped. It helped the story. So I'm curious now, is that 
have you become a better comic book writer since you started working with artists? Absolutely. Because I think that now I, I can understand their mindset. And first and foremost, if it's not on the page, it's not on the stage. So my job is to make sure everything is in that script that they can grab onto to create that image. Mm. So I haven't been questioned on that yet, which means I think we're doing it right. And do you feel as though now, because you're still you're still writing screenplays, you're still directing, have you seen your directing style uh, evolve after working in comics? I think so, absolutely. Um, now in my mind, you know, I used to always I used to always think in cuts and in imageries, you know, like like cinema. Uh, everything is moving, and how things move in a frame. But now I can concentrate on just that still image to say, okay, this is how I, I want it to really look and I can compose it as such. So I think definitely they go hand in hand. Um, it's, it's helped. It's helped both ways and it's been very beneficial and, and rewarding in that sense. So yeah, that visual medium, it's, it's, it's got its perks, especially when you, when you see your words come to life. As you said, your first idea was having uh, Bob non-union psychic be it was a screenplay. Um, was it? Were you envisioning that screenplay just being a one-off, or did you have ideas of having a sequel to the movie? And is that where you got the ideas to create additional uh, additional issues of of the comic? I think originally, way back when, I wanted it to be wanted it to be a one-off. Um, and then move on to other projects rather than get married to something uh, for several years, because maybe in a sense it could be uh, artistically stifling. I would like to keep doing new things. Um, so it was supposed to be a one-off, but now that's changed the dynamic with, with the comic book. When you first started writing this, were you engaged in the concept of a, that character or a journey or the world that you were building itself? I think it's I think it's character driven, okay. uh, 100% character driven. You know, uh, once again the mitof- the metaphor of fighting the gatekeepers, right. uh, you know, proving that you can do what you need to do in life, and you don't you don't need you don't need that that secret handshake or that that key to the bathroom uh, of whatever the studio the publishing company. So that that was basically you know and still is my in your face you know, to the man, if you will. It's like, uh, I don't, I don't have to wait for you. I can produce this and it's going to look just as good as anything you're producing. So I got to go for it. You live once, you know, Uh, you just, you just have to step on the gas and go for it. Right now. So, so with that, with that said, now that you're writing more issues, do you have to kind of start answering questions or getting into more details on what the world is like that you've created as well? Absolutely. So in the process of building this book, we also built a world and on the warehouse nine site, um, you can go see the world of Bob. It will tell, it'll, it'll show you. So we started to do this. We were like, okay, here's his shop. It's, you know, there's his bat cave. There's his search fortress of solitude. You know, um, there's the psychic union headquarters. There's, you know, we, we built this world purposely so that we can give people more than just the book. 
You know, there's there's the bookstore. There's his oracle. There's his 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 cousin that that he goes he goes to a bookstore. He doesn't search the internet. No cheats. You know, it's it's looking at the old artifacts, um, and a lot of these these locations may be revisited. Hmm. And I'm really curious as well, as you're getting more and more involved, have you heard people asking you about, hey, can we make a card game about this? Can we make a tabletop role-playing game about this? Or have you been getting other questions about just expanding it out into different mediums? Yes, I have. I have been approached by animation studios. Um, uh, the cards have been actually pitched. I think it was actually Paul who was talking about oh. that. Um, oh, cool. Um, so yes, there's different, there's, there's, uh, different avenues. And one of the avenues is a film spinoff, which we're in production in right now. Nice. So a film spinoff is being made right now of Bob non-union psychic. It's being shot on film. Uh, I've been in post-production for quite a long time because it's a hefty project, but you know, if you go to, uh, the character, the cast and crew of Bob non-union psychic. Here's the kicker. We're doing a spinoff of Bob, but we're not doing Bob. We're doing a character oh. in the book. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And it's, uh, his name's Lagro de Rumigny, and he was an actual uh, hairdresser in 18th century France. Okay. So we shot this during the pandemic. It took a long time to do. And, Every special, every shot is a special effect shot. So if you like Terry Gilliam, if you like Jim Henson, this is the new film. We have miniatures, we have paper cutouts, uh, we have green screen, we have live action. Uh, we have everything that we needed to do to try to bring 18th century France to Denver, Colorado. Um, okay. So it's called Coiffier Extraordinaire Waiting for Legro. It's in the Internet Movie Database uh, page, and it's actually part three of a trilogy. We had two other films shot on Super 8 that were just at a film festival uh, and, and spring, the Austin Micro Film Festival. Um, and they were pretty happy to have us. Um, but this is the biggie here. And this is going to be the true tie-in to the Bob uh, graphic novel, the Bob world. Uh, so... This takes place in our world or like our world adjacent? It's actually our world. Um, okay. So what's funny is that that the Bob Scissors, which he calls Legro, because his signature's on them. That's his signature weapon of, of choice. That's what he cuts hair with. Um, he was drawn to it. Nobody knows why, but there's like a psychic link between him and Legro uh, from back in the 18th century. Now... Legro, he, uh, he worked at the French court and he died kind of weird in a mysterious way. Um, when Marie Antoinette came to town, he was, he was mysteriously trampled to death. Huh. I mean, it was like, it was like Elvis Presley coming to your city. When, when, when she came to town, everybody went out and droves to see her. And this old man, he, he was killed, uh, accidentally. And I originally, when it came to hairstylists, I started searching, you know, the, the 80s guys like Vidal Sassoon and all that, you know. But I was like, nah, that's not working, you know. And, and then I went back to the French court where we all remember these hairstyles, you know, Marie Antoinette's wig with the boat in it, which we have in our films. Um, 
something radical. And I'm like, well, who are do who did all this stuff? Who was the guy? And, and Legro was one of them. He's got a book out. He had a school. This dude was gigantic in, in the French era. So we built this persona that, well, you know, he's a hairstylist, but usually it's just a network so that he can fight evil at night. Um, you know, he fights paranormal evil. And the idea is it's about cursed hair, which is kind of the metaphor for Bob. He's fighting cursed hair, you know. Uh, and that's what the short is about. You know, Legro has to go to a distant castle. And once again, his clients are, 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 cursed, are, are cursed by evil hair. So he has to dispel it. Simple enough. Rated O for original. You know, we want to do something radical. That's awesome. So, so if people want to check this out, if people actually want to read this, as we said, the best place they can go to is probably anyoneworld.com, correct? Yeah, you can go to anyoneworld.com or go to the Warehouse 9 Pro uh, website. And there's a buy button on the top. It'll take you right to the store. I mean, you you have all the information here. You know, if, if you need, if you want more, we have it. That's where it's right. at. You get trailers. Um, you get all kinds of cool stuff. Right. This is excellent, Lance. I tell you that this, uh, I am extremely happy that we're able to sit down and talk. I, I, I love the idea. I love the, the character concept you came up with. I love what you're doing. And, and as I say, it's, it's extremely inspirational for those that are listening that are looking at trying to um, get their own comic book created. You had some really good advice there as well. So you got to come back on Lance when you get your film out or when you get your next graphic novel series out. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm, I'm hoping that we can get this film done this year. Uh, it's been a, it's been a hefty, hefty ordeal. Um, but I think it's every time I see the footage, every time new effects come in, it's like, yeah, I, I think we got something pretty radical here that people just aren't going to expect. And I like that it, it was all Bob inspired. So, right. you know, I'm doing my own fan film. This is this is Warehouse Nine stuff. And we're eager to get this out to the world because it's going to be it's going to be fun. Cool. Excellent. Well, thanks a lot, Lance, for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. This has been great. You're welcome. So, wow. Okay, I just got distracted by checking this out. That is that is fantastic. Uh, so, let me timestamp this one again. I got so many timestamps on this, Lance. My goodness. All right, here we go. Forty-two.